Hello, welcome, come on in. It's the Friendly Brain Coach here, it's Phil. And this is my first ever podcast. So welcome. You may well be an early adopter. So I'll quickly introduce this channel, what's about, and then I'll introduce myself a bit more. This channel is going to be devoted to mental health and self-realization. So I'm a personal development coach who also delivers psychoeducation. And I have a particular interest in stress, worry, and anxiety, anything to do with fear, really. And actually, it's fear that holds us back from realizing our potential as well, and often leads us to depression. So the first thing I'd like to talk about then, I'll just, it's a bit self-indulgent, but I'm going to talk about myself. I'm going to uh, go over what happened to me and how I got into a pickle, Um how how I got out, out of the pickle and how you can get out of a pickle when you're in a pickle too. And then the next episode is going to be about why I believe this podcast is going to be your best way to become more self-aware and also to get yourself into a place you want to be in mentally, whether that's more confidence, worrying less, becoming less anxious, becoming happier, or just loving yourself, which is the holy grail, by the way. Love yourself. It's a massive... Uh, Cliche, but it is true, as far as I as I can tell. Okay, so then after that, the podcast, after those these two, I'll, I'll be getting straight into it, starting with episodes on neuroscience of fear, of stress and worry and anxiety, and then into more into more specific things you can do to ameliorate your mental health problems. So the difference between this podcast and many others, which I believe is makes it unique and also will give you your best chance at getting what you need in terms of your mental health is that it's going to be more in depth than, than most most things out there. It's going to go deeply into the science behind what's going on. So psychology and the neuroscience and the human biology and evolution even into why you might be feeling certain ways that you don't really want to feel like. Also, before I get into talking about myself a bit, I just wanted to say I want this to be an interactive service. So anyone who's ever got any questions, I want you to tell me and I want to be able to address them and hopefully I'll be able to make some episodes based purely on people's questions. And I think I'll, I'll really look forward to that. Okay, so how did I get into a pickle? Well, I had a normal childhood, kind of. I mean, yeah, pretty much normal for, for these days. My parents divorced when I was about three or four, but aside from that, Nothing particularly averse going on. And that's, you know, that's not that atypical anyway. Plenty of parents get divorced these days and children tend to do pretty well in the main. So then I went to university after school. I sort of scraped by school, didn't do much work. Went to university, didn't, didn't do much there either. Scraped by. But then I was there for quite a long time because I was doing teaching and stuff like that. But then when I took over the family business, when I finished university a year or two after when I was about 25 it's when things started to go wrong because I wasn't ready for the responsibility of taking on a, a business even though it wasn't a particularly big business it felt like it to me at the time I was used to just making sure I was still alive you know that's university life isn't it or at least it was when I was young so I went from just making sure I was eating and feet watering myself and just about dragging myself to lectures and not a great deal of responsibility at all. 
went from that into running my own business and you know to make it worse it was in the hospitality industry which is probably one of the most stressful arenas to be in I would think I was getting you know phone calls every weekend saying oh the showers aren't working the floorboards are creaking just ridiculous things it was like faulty towers or something yeah I, I, I often think that I was a bit like Basil Fawlty back in those days rushing around trying to please people and <laughs> wiping sweat from my brow so yeah this this went on for a good few years and then sort of five six seven years later I just basically snapped because I'd had the chronic cortisol levels and I will talk more about cortisol another time but it's a fantastic chemical it's one of my favorite but it can cause havoc if it's in your body for any length of time. I'm talking like months and years. It can lead you into a real state of dysregulation and that can lead you into all kinds of problems. Heart disease, autoimmune disorders, depression, anxiety. It's not a good thing to be, to be swamped in for long periods of time. So then, yeah, when I was about 33 or maybe a bit younger, I... One day I just snapped, something went wrong, badly wrong. I was um, I was boozing at the weekend, I'd, I'd been stressed obviously for years, highly strung. I think I just got over a virus as well. And I took it upon myself to go on a walk about tw- over 20 miles. And when I got back, I just, something, I don't know what happened, but I knew something terribly wrong was going on because... I just suddenly, everything seized up. My whole body was stiff as a plank. I felt like I had the worst flu ever. And um, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I got in the bath and I just like shivered in the bath for ages. And I thought, what is going on with me? So then I um, got out of the bath and went to bed for a couple of days. I just thought it must be flu. But then I never got better. Well, I did a, a little bit. I, was, I mean, I was able to get out of bed and things, but I never got fully better. And eventually my wife said to me, look, this isn't normal. You need to, you need to go to the doctor. Uh, so I went, I went to the doctor and he said, I don't know what to say really. He did blood tests and there's nothing seriously wrong or life-threatening. So he took me to see a specialist and they, they basically diagnosed me with chronic fatigue syndrome, which was the last thing I wanted to hear actually at the time because I, I had researched it and I knew that people had a bad time of it if they had chronic fatigue syndrome. It's not something you want to be getting. I also knew that there was no cure for it at that time, and that as far as I know, there still isn't. Yeah, I mean, I remember breaking down in the, uh, in, the, in the patient's room there and looking up at the nurse and the doctor, and I was just, bo- I was just bawling my eyes out. It's probably like a, a big culmination of lots of things, but it, I, it was, I just remember the look on their faces of kind of... Sh- Concern, but also shock that a grown man had gone in there and just broken down like that. Yeah, so that wasn't a nice day. <laughs> and then that after that, I just spiralled. I just I, I remember trying to exercise my way out of it. I think I wouldn't accept it. This is not what I've what I've got. You know, which is the worst thing you can do with CFS is, is exercise more, which is what I did. So I got worse and worse physically and obviously mentally as well then. So I was just a, I was just a physical, physical wreck. Mentally, mentally I was completely shot away. 
I didn't, I barely knew I was. I was absolutely, completely overwhelmed with stress and worry and anxiety. And um, I just, I just remember thinking, I'm, I'm never going to be able to look after my family. I can't barely look after myself. How am I going to be able to look after my family? And my, me and my wife weren't getting on well because I was, a, I was just a burden. When she needed help with a, a child, we, we, my daughter was only about one at the time. So yeah, it was a. It was a horrible, horrible place to be. And I remember at my worst point, I was, I was crawling upstairs, spending half my life in bed, just racked with guilt because I didn't want to be in bed. I wanted to be getting up helping and running my business. Um, yeah, and at this, at this point, I was so fed up and I was so, like I say, just overwhelmed with guilt and worry and stress that I remember having these fantasies of, Getting out life insurance and um, have an accidental, on purpose, fatal car crash. Well, I don't think um, I don't think I ever would have done that. It was, but in my worst, my worst point, that was like a, the sort of thing that I would get, get going around in my head. So just to show you, you know, that's that's how low it got. So I was absolutely stuck. And then one day, a friend of mine, Razvan, gave me a a book called How to Stop Worrying, Start Living by Dale Carnegie. And he said, look, my mum was in a real bad place. She was heavily depressed and wor- worried and anxious. And someone gave her this book and it really helped her. And I just wondered if it will help you. So I said, okay, fine, I'll... I don't have anything to lose. I hadn't read a book ever, really, <laughs> since I was about seven or something, uh, apart from the ones I had to read at university and things, you know. But I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go, um, if it worked for your mum. So I, I read this book, and uh, and I really loved it, actually. It's, it's a great book, and I still it's still one of my favourites. I've read, I've read like, just tons and tons of books since, but this is one of my favourites. It's still one of my favourites. It's just so relatable, and it, it's a yeah, it's it's a lovely book, and it really makes you think about your default thinking process and why you don't necessarily need to worry as much as you do. And it sounds very simple, but it and it, I suppose it is. But anyway, it's a great book. Apparently, the f- the first ever self help book back in the forties or something. So I read that, and I could see a little glimpse of light after this, and I thought, okay, maybe. I mean, the case studies in his book have had life a lot worse than I have. So maybe things will get better. So then I I went to a course, I saw a course advertised for mindfulness-based stress reduction. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this could help me as well. So I went went ahead and went on this thing. Didn't know anything about mindfulness or meditation or even Buddhism or anything. But I went along and I started meditating every day as a result. And it really, really helped me. It was like one of the first things that was a big, almost like a crack. In, I was in a terrible shell. That's what it used to feel like. I was in this like shell and I was in this sort of hole all curled up. And um, yeah, I remember it felt like it was just cracking open. and Light was coming in again and, and I was just getting more hope. I remember driving once during this period and out of nowhere I just got a huge sense of 
gratitude and euf- almost like euphoria. I couldn't keep the smile off my face. I just thought everything is going to be okay. This is, everything's going to be all right. And that was the result of meditating. And I thought, wow, this really is powerful. And as a scientist, I thought, what's going on? My degree is in science, chemistry and teaching. But um, yeah, I thought, what, what's going on? I need to know what's going on. The next, the next time I went, the mindfulness teacher there called Lucy gave me, uh, well, she, she recommended this book called The Buddha's Brain by Rick Hansen. And that is a fantastic book if you're looking for something to read. I really recommend it. It's um, yeah, well, it is what what it says. It's just all it's all the neuroscience of of the Buddhist teachings and how they parallel and why it's really great for ameliorating stress and worry and anxiety and suffering. And so that was the, that was the first book I read on this sort of thing in terms of science and neuroscience and psychology, and I was absolutely blown away. I was like, man, these this is where it's at. This is how I will get better. And this is what everyone needs to understand if they want to get out. So from then on, I just I was just obsessed. Started really making headway. I was reading books after books. And even the reading itself, I think, was, was helping me. And then I started really understanding what's going on inside me. And then I, I started researching more about what helps in, in terms of what research has been done and empirically what's going to help people feel less stressed or anxious or worried or fearful. I wanted to know everything, absolutely everything. I spent, well, then I started giving talks on it because I was, I was so obsessed with it and I just had to like get the message out there, giving talks and that was all going fine. But then I felt like I didn't know absolutely everything. I wanted to know, like I wanted to know everything there is to know. So I did a master's and I thought, well, if I do a master's, it was in neuroscience and psychology and mental health. I thought, well, if I do that, there's going to be everything there is to know about this subject. And there, and there was to a certain extent because everything there is to know that we know was on it pretty much. But it turns out there's still quite a lot of gaps because the human brain is quite complicated. So we're still some way off knowing everything. But there's certainly things they highlighted so I spent the next five six seven years just doing like just keeping my business running but every spare hour I had and I was getting better all the time as well so I had more time and energy I spent every spare hour I had thinking about reading about watching lectures on mental health and and specifically or usually on anxiety and worry and stress so I spent over 10,000 hours I worked out the other day, probably more like 12,000 hours, 12,000 hours researching these areas and over 20,000 pounds on education. And I've written a book, which I'm just editing at the moment, so that I can't forget it. Because all the information out there at the moment is kind of fragmented. So I need to get everything into my own model and it had to be watertight and all interlocking because everything everything interplays with one another and the books they'll kind of stand alone they don't reference one another as much as I would like them to so I did that as a summary for myself now I can never forget I I spent 12,000 hours filtering the killer from the filler 
So luckily for you, you don't need to spend thousands of hours or thousands of pounds on courses because this podcast will contain all the best bits. And it will always be free. I'm not here to sell you anything. Like, this isn't going to be, yeah, I spent 10 years figuring out how to be the world's most calm, happy guy and keep listening because <laughs> tomorrow, if you spend 20 dollars a day or a month and I'll tell you all my secrets it's, that isn't what I'm doing everything I know and all the, the the most important bits anyway that I know that I've learned that took me 12,000 hours I'm going to be putting into this podcast and all I want back is to help people and that will be my reward and that's enough for me so like I say the next episode I'll be talking about what's different about this podcast this channel compared to other channels and that's like I mentioned earlier that's going to be mostly about the fact that this is going to be helping you to become more self-aware and understand yourself as a human being and that will really motivate you into thinking okay if this is this is how I am and this is how these methods work I can be however I want to be if I put in the right time and the right effort. So thank you for listening. I hope you all have a lovely, lovely day or lovely sleep if it's the evening. This is your friendly brain coach, Phil, saying over and out.